Hey, welcome to part two of the birth and death series on Shit We Don't Talk About. My guest today is Christy Dixon Pride, a birth doula who experienced birth trauma when her first son arrived, and now she's helping to change the world. She's also training as a death doula, and today we cover all the topics when it comes to the beginning and the end of life. Tune in. It gets good. Here we go. Hi, Christy. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am so excited to have you on the show in this continuing series that birth and death, those are probably the biggest shit we don't talk about, honestly, <laughs> topics. You're yeah. going to cover both of those today, aren't you? Yes, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So we have a family history, a friend history, and it's very fun to see you in this capacity in the work that you're doing, which has now been a birth doula for how long? Well, my first one that I did, she's uh, turning nine next month. So mm, nine, but that was like testing out the waters. Um, mm -hmm. and it officially sold me of like, I'm going to do this. So I've been solid full-time about six years. In between you've had two births of your own. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're, you're walking the talk. Person <laughs> <laughs> and working, nerding out on birth. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and there needs to be so much more attention paid to it because there's, there's definitely is a standard talk about birth, birth plans, uh, what you do when you go into the hospital. And did you have your own experience that kind of got you into this? That was maybe not so pleasant that helped you to say, I want to start doing this the right way. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, birth trauma. <laughs> um, the phrase. Yes. Mm. yeah. Birth trauma, um, was in the hospital in a military hospital and, and you were overseas, right? I was overseas. Yeah. I was in Okinawa and, uh, it was the most excruciating, powerless, totally controlled experience. Mm -hmm. And I somehow still did it. And yes. no choice. I walked, I walked out of there. Well, really hardly walking well out of there. <laughs> Barely, right? Um, you know, and uh and I just was like, this has to be another way. Everyone was telling me, great job. I did such a good job. And I was just like, this was the worst thing ever. Like, there's this can't be how it is for everybody. Hmm. And it was because I had seen the baby story on TLC, like way back then, you know, like right. that's where I was watching. It was very typical. I knew that's what, how it was in the hospitals, but how I felt walking out, I was just like, I have to do something about this. Right. And I think that the common dialogue is once the baby arrives, everything's shiny and happy. And, you know, I will always say this around any conversation with birth of not having my own children and not witnessing any, I am kind of in that almost the male category of like, Ooh, sounds crazy. Right. Help. Hope everything worked out. Okay. It was funny on the last episode with the <laughs> other doula, she mentioned a mucus plug. I'm like, girl, I got, I got nothing on that. I wasn't sure about that one. So you know, we, we had a little, uh, a little education piece on that, but again, the, just the phrase of birth trauma, that's not even a common phrase. So this was what, 14 right. years ago with your, with your first yes, child, 13 and a half years, mm -hmm, it's almost mm -hmm. 14. Um, yeah. and 
Yeah, no, it was just life changing. I and I had always been an advocate before that, you know, um, doing advocacy stuff with rape crisis services and just the background of, of our family, mm-hmm. and you know, always really fighting, you know, advocacy. So I walked, I remember literally almost getting to the doors, walking out of the hospital with this baby in my hand and I'm battered and bruised and scarred, you know, like figuratively Mm -hmm. and literally, and just was like, I'm working in birth. That's it. I wasn't even out the door. Wow. I had to do it. You got called. You got called right away. And it sounds like too, I know you have a a history of trauma previously too. And I think that's so interesting. I know you and I talked about this, gosh, back when you were pregnant with, with, was it Wyatt? I had come to visit and we were talking about, about your experience and I love, and you were already working in the, the doula world of specifically helping mothers who have gone through some type of physical or sexual trauma giving birth. I never thought about that piece too, of how that could really just start everything up, especially if you're not being heard and seen and listened to. It's huge. I mean, that's a lot of my clients are, are referred to me. That's actually why I don't have a huge website. I get mostly referrals and it's from providers, um, knowing that I specialize in working with people giving birth and trauma. And we have a lot more appointments. We have a lot of things to talk about. We have a lot of consent things to talk about, which I do with people who don't have trauma, mm-hmm. regardless in all our prenatals, we, we really go over consent because mm-hmm. in the medical fields, they do things without consent all the time. I never even thought of that word, Christy. Right now. What'd you say? We're just going to start Pitocin right now. Yeah. We're just oh. going to break your water right now and just right. very nonchalant. So we, that's a huge thing that we go over in all of the prenatals with my clients. Mm. is consent and what that looks like, how to ask for space and make them stop. I, that makes so much sense when you're talking about, uh, you know, the visuals to me always seem to be about 18 hands up there or Mm -hmm. all over the place. And, you know, I, as I like to see snatch out and, uh, and so it's so delicate and, and, oh, it just, it seems to me like you would want to have somebody that could impart, you having that consent and that permission to say, no, this is my body. And just because you're the doctor, you, but I'm guessing too, you really coach people on how to have the right team in the first place. And if something happens, it's an emergency, how they can advocate for themselves. Right. Absolutely. It's just huge. I mean, we even have some tricks here in some hospitals that are a little bit rough or certain providers now, granted, I work with some amazing providers. They're so amazing, lots of consent, but there's still some out there. There's still mm-hmm. some out there that just bulldoze you mm-hmm. and without your permission. So mm-hmm. we actually have tricks of going, if you ask the staff to pray about this, they legally have to walk out of the room. Because if you say, can I have a few minutes to think about this? They'll stand there and really bulldoze you into making the decision right then and there on what they're pushing. So <laughs> I literally I am have this literally writing this down. Here. Please um, give us a moment to pray. They have to walk out of the room. And we I'm use that a, space. I'm going to pray about this. Wow, Christy, that, that yeah. right there, there's the pro tip that 
you could literally we just turn <laughs> off, turn it off and say that's how important you didn't say who you're gonna pray to. So you have to worry about no. that. You can be praying to whoever you want, but saying, I'm gonna pray about this to get that space. Wow, sweetie. What a, right. that's that's so empowering right there. <laughs> but it's sad that we have to yes, do is. that. Mm-hmm. But that is the good trick and it gives you some space to like get grounded, talk about it with your partner, your support team, whoever you have there. Um, and just make your decision level-headed. Do you think, so talk to me too about like, even as me, as somebody that would recommend that to people, do you feel like it's more on the rise again with doulas? Obviously people know what it is and it's become much more of a buzz phrase that do you feel like people are talking about it as much or are seeing that as an option when they find out that they're pregnant? I do, but you know, I mostly hear this big misconception that doulas only work in birth centers or at home births. There's this huge thing of like, it's only natural births. It's only out of the hospital. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I actually helped start the first program in Texas to have a doula program in a hospital. Um, And I did it for two years and it was amazing. And all of the nurses, we, we all had to grow together uh, in the hospital mm-hmm. of going, Hey, just because she wants an epidural doesn't mean she can't have a doula. I still have a ton of work to do when you have an epidural. I actually feel like I almost work a little bit harder because you are numb and I physically have to turn you every mm-hmm. 30 minutes and do mm-hmm. something with you to keep this baby coming down the pelvis, you know? So, um, yes, we do plan cesarean births. I call them belly births because Mm -hmm. C-sections makes it sound like it's sectioned out and it's very much a birth still. So I do plan family-centered belly births. We do inductions, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. We have people that want an epidural, but they want to get a little bit further and, and then get it. Or we have people not wanting anything, of course, you know, so like we work with everybody, all Mm. births. All births. And that is such a great distinction too, because I think there are so many misconceptions, TV movie or TV show based and all that. And uh, just kind of what, and then also what we're told as well too. If you, that the toughest thing I think with anything, when it comes to this form of medical gaslighting in a sense is not knowing a lot of it is not knowing the questions to ask or these buzz phrases, I'm going to pray about this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I need a moment to pray. <laughs> I need a moment to pray about this. Yeah. Give me, give yeah. me a second. They have to give that space and I can just see how you could ground so easily. But again, these are the questions that you don't know, or that is the misconception is it's only a certain, certain piece too. So that's, right. that's got to have been amazing to have so many women that I'm, I'm guessing too, like your experience of had the first birth and didn't know any better. So have you been able to help this with a lot of women on their, yes. their next births? Oh, yes. And it's so great. Either their next births, or I really compliment my primates, which means first time, um, birthing people. Um, I, I really compliment them on mm-hmm. things for reaching out and like help hopefully preventing trauma because I get a lot of people that did what I did and just went in like where insurance went and Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had no idea what was happening. And then I come out with birth trauma and then have another pregnancy that I have to deal with those past emotions that creep back into my new pregnancy. Mm. So you, we have a lot more work to do 
um, when I get the second time around that it didn't go as planned. So Mm. just a lot of emotional, mental work and education, of course, and resources, providing resources to them. Yeah. I can see that healing having to come through for that, that next birth of them carrying that with them, helping them get rid of that and then get ready for that. The next one. So Mm -hmm. where, tell me about the process then how quickly, let's say I say, which this is all hypothetical. Let's be clear about that. Somebody (laughs) here is 56, almost 57. Those eggs aren't going anywhere with anyone. So let's say that I did find out I'm about three or four months pregnant. Tell me about that process. What would I do? Especially if it was my first time birth, would I call you or I would have, like, where do you come into it in the timing wise? I can come in at any time. So I get people that send me a picture of their pregnancy stick um, right then and there. So we're like four weeks, six mm. weeks, you know, and mm. it's a big party. I get that a lot on my repeat clients, right? Where I've had like four or five babies with them and they're just oh. like pregnancy, you know, so we can start as early as you want. Or I get people that I've literally met that day and they're in labor. That's what I did at Methodist. I met them for the first mm-hmm. time in labor. Um, we were supposed to record this. Life skills. <laughs> I, I bet. And we were supposed to record this last week. And then you've had, uh, you, what did you message me? She's still, she's still pregnant. So we were able to, yes. to talk today. So it is kind of a crapshoot on on the timing, but that's really, that's really neat though, that you could start with them Mm -hmm. at any point. And I would think that the sooner, the the better in some ways, um, if they're, uh, if they're having a high risk pregnancy, is that right? Anytime. I mean, even Mm -hmm. just a low risk pregnancy, there's a Mm -hmm. lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, and every pregnancy or journey is different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm having a lot more appointments during this pandemic. We have a ton of anxiety we have major depression. We have isolation. I mean, mm. I'm in working overtime with these appointments because that's what they need. They need yeah. to have support right now. So you just don't know. And every family situation is different. Um, they may be a teen, you know, like they might need a lot of resources, a lot of birth education, plus just coming into fact of like, let's talk about birth plan. Like, you know, right. There's so much that goes into birth. I mean, look at your three-part series. It's the same thing. Like it's so much goes into it. And, and also like losses, I go to miscarriages, all of those things like that. Oh, you do. So you, do people call you literally for, for the assistance in the miscarriage process as well? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of times they're already my client mm-hmm. and we have a miscarriage. So I do, I do that. I go to their home and help them or like my stillbirth where we do have to go to hospital. I go there and, and do those as well. So all losses, which is really important to me. I had five losses myself between my first and second child. Wow. So I didn't know that. Okay. yes, it was a very long journey with endometriosis and just super, super tough. So I have a soft spot in my heart for working with people experiencing their losses. So it's just really huge. Can we veer into that as well? Because whoops, I do know that, uh, 
I, I do know that, that obviously the, the birth part is what you got into, but then you're bringing all this experience into it. And the endo thing, I, I need to have somebody on, on that. That's, that's just a whole other show Same. in and of itself. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so that, that piece about how you work with people, especially with the, the shame, the hiding, how society handles it. Can we talk about that a little bit of Absolutely. So this, just the, the suffering alone and uh, the cultural misunderstandings about miscarriages. Definitely. So miscarriages are actually very common to happen in a birthing person's life. And we don't talk about it. We don't know about it. And we have this whole culture where we can't even announce our pregnancy until after 12 weeks. And the reason for that is it is more common to miscarry in the, by that 12 week, week mark. Okay. okay. So you just don't tell anybody. So that way, if you lose your baby, <laughs> then you don't have to bring it up. You can just go on mm-hmm. with life. That's been bringing on a lot more depression, a lot more anxiety. You feel unheard. You're not validated with the loss of the child you know? Yeah. And so you just have this hole in you. And then when you do get pregnant again, if you get pregnant again, you have so much anxiety and you're just like a wreck. And that causes like high blood pressure. And like, people need to talk about these things. You need to Mm -hmm. be able to grieve, have people meet you where you are at. And Mm -hmm. we just don't do it. It's like, no, at least, you know, baby was you know, it happened early, so it it could have been worse. Like just try again, you know, and that really, that really hurts the person that you say that to while you mean well, because, you know, they're trying to be like, you know, positive. Right. Right. But gosh, that's, it turns into like some toxic positivity. It's like, I just need to say how sad I am right now and how much pain I'm in. Right. It's painful. It's painful to go through a miscarriage. There's lots of blood. There's lots of stuff going on. It's, it's, it's yeah. terrible. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Because again, yeah. for, for non-birthing folks too, that's such an interesting <laughs> way to say that too, for birthing people. And it just opens that up to, to, to so many possibilities, but yeah, that sounds like it would be, it's just so upsetting and disappointing and just psychologically scarring as well. So that's, so it, it, it is a painful, I mean, it's it, very it, painful. You know, it's, mm. it's like a really intense period. Mm-hmm. Um, but with more blood, mm-hmm. um, and you're just keep wondering, am I going to pass this? Am I going to pass this? You know, um, mm-hmm. I have people like, they'll send me a picture of it on the toilet paper. And they're like, is this, is this my baby? And they're just every single thing that comes out of them. They are just like, is this it? Is this it? Am Mm. I going to see it? You know, like, Mm. and so if we do get to, you know, a lot of times we will plant it, we'll turn it into a plant in the backyard or, Mm. you know, like we'll do all kinds of things, however they want to do. But if you're just suffering alone with that, it's, it's really tough. And you have to just breathe brave a smile and like, you know, good luck next time champ, you know, like it's very much like pat on the back. Like it's going to be okay. Here's a hug, but you know, maybe someone will bring you a meal, but, but that's pretty much the end of it. It's just kind of not talked about after that. It is. It's, it's definitely the cultural conditioning, societal conditioning, even, even social media, 
I can right. imagine that folks are really going through just this siloed shame, silent uh, on their own as well. And you mentioned a few things that people say. Well, of course, I was like, I wrote down dumb shit that people say. Um, can you give some, give, give me some examples of what you think is helpful for folks to say either to their loved ones, to, to family, uh, even a person to their partner, uh, who lost a baby. Tell me, tell me some little, what to do tips on that. Partners, partners are really left out, Mm -hmm. um, for sure. You know, of course this, we're talking about like, if you wanted this baby, right. Like that's true. Right. Okay. Yeah. So if you're, you wanted this baby and you're grieving and you're going through this, um, a good thing to say is that, you know, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Mm. Um, your baby was beautiful. Like mm. you can just say that because it feels good, mm. you know, and just to validate that, like, we, we, we see you, we recognize your loss and its significance. Mm-hmm. And that is huge. And then go over and clean the bathroom, like go yeah. over and bring over a meal. Don't say, let me know if you need anything. Mm-hmm. Cause they're not going to, cause if they knew what they needed, they would do it. So true. And I, I think on so many <laughs> levels on, on all types of grief or loss, right. the toughest thing I, I was thinking about this with a, a, some friends of mine that they lost uh, their mom. Uh, he lost his wife and the kids lost her mom about three years ago. And I make sure that I always is still on her birthday, on their anniversary, on the anniversary of the date. And, and he has close people to him as well, but I think that's gotta be the toughest piece too. One, if it's not known, no, you know, you're really suffering in silence or every, it kind of gets, you know, forgotten. Of course, you don't want to constantly be reminding them, but at least be like, Hey, what can I, either, right. either that or like, let me, I'm, you know, I'm stopping by, I'm at the store, I'm going to bring you X, Y, Z. And, and that's just on the earlier miscarriage piece. And I, I wanted yeah. to, to also discuss more what you've witnessed as well with late-term loss. And I mean, that's really not talked about either. Yeah, no. I mean, back in the day, you know, in the 30s, 40s, I mean, even before then, if you had a stillbirth, they literally took the baby out, covered the baby and walked away. You didn't even get to see your baby. Wow. It was just no that's it. And it's so different now. If you know your choices, like, you know, you can have your doula there. Mm -hmm. You have a supportive team. We have cuddle cots, Mm. which, you know, keeps the cot cold so that you can actually stay with your baby for up to three days. So, and then we have photographers too. Um, now I lay me down to sleep is an organization that has free photographers that can come and take pictures of you holding your baby and having those moments, those closing times that you need. Um, the staff is awesome. We do memory boxes where you can cut some hair. We still do the footprints like honor your baby and have this time. It's not the time that you had wished for, you know, but it Mm -hmm. is still time to honor them. So lots of really great things that we can do to make the experience better instead of just rushing baby off to a morgue and mm-hmm. you sitting there. Mm-hmm. I also have a lot of clients that have continued to pump and donate their breast milk, which has just been, I don't know, 
they're just like superheroes because I'm just like, that has to be so painful. But for them, it's, they're just like, this helps me have my baby live on and I can help someone else. And it, I mean, man, if you're talking, if you're second guessing humanity right now, Mm -hmm. go work with some birth workers or some death workers and they will like restore it for you because everyone goes above and beyond everything means something. And, and the people that are going through it are just, they're just heroes. You're just like, wow, you're incredible. You're doing something that you definitely didn't have to do. No, not everybody does that. Mm -hmm. You know, we help close up. Then I help with that too. I help close up your breasts, you know? So, um, after you give birth, you have your milk comes in, you get mm-hmm. engorged and there's a, pro- a process to close down your milk supply the right way. So you don't get mastitis and clogged ducts and lots of pain. It can be very painful. That so has to be a whole other a whole show. Thing. That, that is a, <laughs> that is a whole ass thing. And I understand that. And, and we, we've had a couple of conversations, which have been so delightful and you're, you're, you're so patient with me and my curiosity and my, in my right. lack of experience, curiosity, but I think the more that we are asking these questions. So, and I, I spent a very large time of my adult female world of, well, that's just not me. That was something that I chose and kind of just closed it off and didn't understand it. And society actually sets a lot of us up to be positioned against one another of that's not your thing. That's, you know, stay in your lane and I, it's absolutely not true in the more that, that we understand it. So I loved our conversation about breast milk. I remember writing a big note, like <laughs> breast milk is like the superpower, right? And can, can you talk a little bit about that too? And I love that you help women co- close that process down. It's very misunderstood. Very. Yeah. It, it's just, ugh, there's so much into it. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's like, we can say one thing and it leads into a whole other thing that we're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much that goes into it and it's also private. So it's just like, be out there with your story, share your story just because you chose not to have kids. That doesn't mean we don't need you. Like mm-hmm. people need people. Mm-hmm. We're just mm-hmm. people going through a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, come and, help empathy, and empathy and empathy yeah. and saying like, wow, I understand why well, you, you must be exhausted or think like you calling everyone, calling them superheroes and things like things like that. It's just, is so important to, to understand. And I was just low grade fascinated when we talked about the, the healing powers of breast milk. And you even said yes. that of donating that of, of how that is just an unsung hero in, in the world of keeping children healthy. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it helps if your child gets sick, it helps them get over it faster mm-hmm. or have a lot less symptoms. Your breast milk literally changes before your child even like has a fever because their saliva goes into your breast and tells your body, Hey, this kiddo's getting sick. Hey, I'm dumbing it down. Right. So this kiddo's getting sick. <laughs> I love this. This is so um, something's going on. And so your milk changes, your milk changes every day, every day and at different times. So when they start getting sick, your milk will start to be really golden, just full of antibodies. It's amazing. That is and crazy. so it helps them. It's just so cool. I unclogged my son's own tear duct with my breast milk. He didn't have to go to a hospital and have them mess with his eye. 
I just squirted milk in his eye. I remember me and my mom were like, this is hilarious, but let's do it. But I it works here. <laughs> like, let's do it. And this is how our conversation started with this, because I said something about COVID and you remember, I remember you saying like, oh man, and I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not producing milk anymore. Cause you can kind of have that around as a healing property too. And I know those are probably fighting words for somebody out there. Fight me fight me, bitch, because I will, I will take you out on that. I think that it's just, there's so much that we don't know. And it's conversations like this, that we need to have in order to right. even have that. I mean, we, we get into this, we're literally sitting in a world where people are, bitches are mad. People are mad about breastfeeding. Right. And I was at the yeah. airport in, in Phoenix this weekend. I should have taken a picture of it. I had these really cute little, um, almost like little mini, uh, rooms, like portable rooms, that were breastfeeding rooms. And I just, it, to me really spoke so highly of, um, taking mothers into consideration as not an inconvenience, but giving them a, a beautiful private space to, to do that. But the healing property thing, I cannot even, that is, it just, heals, it heals everything. Eczema, like even when it's expired in your freezer, because mm-hmm. you know, it's like last a good six months. If you have it in a deep freeze, it can last a year. Um, but you know, sometimes you just, have a stash and you're like, Oh shoot, it's expired. Throw it in your kid's bath, help their skin. If you get burned in the kitchen, my husband's literally putting on burns from like on the grill or whatever. We burn himself. (laughs) It helps heal topically. (laughs) Dude, this is shit. We don't talk about and nobody wants us to know. And I don't know why. And I, of course, don't want anyone who, who doesn't or chose not to, or had a really hard time. I, as a doula, help people learn to, I teach them to make the bottles correctly with formula, how to sanitize them. I mean, like we're, I support all of those things too, but on the note of just talking about breast milk. I appreciate that we segued into this too. Cause I, I know I'm going to do a whole, I feel like endometriosis, breast milk, the superpower. I you should see the notes that I took on that too. So I love that you're thinking about getting into death doula work specifically. What a compliment that will be with the work that you do, especially like you said, you, um, I'm sure everybody just assumes that it's the, in the birthplace and that it's always shining happy. And for you to have that skill set and empower people to, to, to go through the grief and then just getting people prepared in general. And that's going to be our next podcast after this is moving to the death piece. So is a perfect segue as we uh, round out here the work that you're going to be doing in that too and helping people get set up for success with death. Yes, you know, because I I pretty much can only talk to my birth workers or like my therapists and stuff when I come back from a really hard birth, like just even for that, um, the secondary trauma sometimes of what happens in certain births or having stillbirths. People, like I can't go on Facebook and say, I had an amazing birth experience or whatever today, like I do, because I want to respect their privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like that they sh- it could be shouted too, but that's just not where they are. Um, because we mm-hmm. don't share. So I'm just like, let's share this because I've, we're, otherwise we're just suffering alone. Mm-hmm. So, you Shame. know, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's just a huge journey. So um, working with the stillbirths, man, that always just has a special place in my heart. And then eventually they get the rainbow baby, which, Mm -hmm. you know, they get after a loss, which is 
um, fantastic. And we're all sobbing and crying at those births, like a lot. <laughs> right. Oh, I bet but, too, you've been through that. Yes. But then, you know, it really is so hard and we just need like more support and just realizing that people aren't prepared for stillbirth. Um, people aren't prepared for death at all, even mm-hmm. though it's something that we do every day you know, birth is so hard to talk about too. And so I just, I guess I just go to the places that are hard to talk about where I'm like, (laughs) this is my people. Like, you know, (laughs) because you're on both sides of the veil and it's just, it's a a fantastic, um, incredible, palpable thing. I can't explain Mm. it when you're there witnessing. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head that it happens every day. So both of these things happen so commonly, but but it sits in this whispered, crazy little spot and you get to sit in that. Yeah. You witness. It's it's the best honor. It's the best honor. I am completely fulfilled. And I just walk around with these stories in my head because, you know, HIPAA and stuff, right? You know? Right, right. (laughs) But I'm just like, oh my gosh, if you only knew what I saw today. Mm. If you only knew, I just, on a daily basis, on a daily basis. And you know what I I love too, that I know that you do as a a doula, and then we'll wrap up here that you're also helping people after that birth, because that to me seems like the piece where you would seem the most alone. If let's say you do deliver your child, everything's fine, but then your body is a hot ass mass. And then after, if you lose a child as well, your body is still going through that same what just ran over me, Mack truck of hormones, uh, piece. So it sounds like you help with that as well. That's a, a part that the doula is oh, really gosh. crucial. Yeah. In. That's another thing we don't talk about this, mm-hmm. the fourth trimester postpartum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole ass thing. It's a whole thing. And you know, my biggest mission was to help lower the maternal mortality rate in this country. Mm-hmm. That is a part of postpartum. We lose a lot of people within the six weeks after birth as well. We lose a lot of people. They're really? not taken care of. Yes, they have a cesarean. They may be a single mom. They may be a woman of color, most likely, mm-hmm. um, because their rates are 40% higher, you know, yeah. so. We just send them home. So they leave the hospital after having a major abdominal surgery. Maybe they have another child too. You know, maybe they, maybe they do have a partner, but their partner's working because we also have the worst, um, um, paid, you know, maternity, maternity, maternity leave. So we're in a system that sets up to where you can't miss work. So you go home with this new baby, you, and the doctor says, I'll see you in six weeks a whole lot happens in that six weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's when we really find a lot of people, um, no longer alive in their apartment or their house, or they develop a a really bad infection because they're overworking, taking care of multiple kids, um, not getting taken care of. Mm. And it leads to catastrophic things. So postpartum work is huge and, um, it's just crucial. Um, one of the organizations I worked with for five years has a project called uh, Project Postpartum, and you mm-hmm. get a free doula for 12 weeks Wow! Um, that come to your house. It, it's a huge mission that we need to 
addressed. It needs to be common. Active, actively, like not just talking about it. It's like, mm-hmm. go over, mm-hmm. go help, you know? So that's a lot. Wow. I did not even think about that piece. So I'm glad we, we dipped into that as, as, <laughs> right. as we roll out because exactly that, like it's not done up. I and mean, you hear, you hear postpartum, which by the way, gets thrown about with such a, just a shitty tinge to it when people speak of that of like you're right like oh she's just this postpartum depression like that you just don't like the shows that are on tv or some shit like that like it, it's right. not spoken about in the in a proper way either but that maternal mortal you know, that mortality rate uh is a huge piece as well right. so we're going to put a link in the show notes too what's the name of that um, um san antonio birth doulas mm-hmm and the postpartum work it's, uh, organization. It's, pro- it's that that's the organization, but their project is called Project Postpartum. Mm, I love that. And then you're also working with Blue Bonnet Birth, Birth Services as well. That's just me. Yes, that's just you. <laughs> it's just me. And you, then you are doing things online too. Can people work with you on a, yes. in a remote basis? Okay, that's I've good. been loving that. It's been so amazing. Um, I've had a client in Korea that was like military. I had uh, a repeat client of mine that had moved away to Colorado. And so I obviously couldn't physically be there and it was the height of the pandemic too. And I could still be there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've done about, let's see, I've done 27 virtual births now. And then I also just do appointments to like empower you guys um, Mm -hmm. to go have the birth you want. If you can't afford to have a doula in person for birth, then we can set it up to where it you know, we can still get some good education. Let's do the birth plan. Let me show you positions, how to, how to cope, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things, what to ask at your appointment. So it's been really, really fascinating. And as much as I'm a touchy person and I like, you know, my hands are my, my tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was like, this is not going to work. <laughs> I need to, I need to go squeeze their hips. And it turned out, it was completely opposite. It was amazing. I just had to give better instructions and that's right. Still hear I could still hear them. Like the way a laboring person sounds, it just takes you back home. You're like, okay, I got this. I know where we're at. Gotcha. And gotcha. Well, that's good to know. know? That's so good to know. Yeah. You just, it's just more as a, a being specific. Yes. Being specific. So yes. Um, I'm so glad you touched on all of those things. And, um, the postpartum, yeah. especially the only thing I hear about is get back to your pre baby weight. That's all I see. Mm. Now that's social media. It's so much that's, pressure. It is. Can you it's imagine? Not fair. You're not the same person anymore. No. And you and had I, left that person when you birthed, you were birthed just as much as the baby. I love that, honey. What a, what a mic drop to end on with that too, to empower people because there is such a pressure societally to get back to that or look that way. So fuck that noise. Right. Y'all <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> and yeah. You just birthed your new self as well. All right. We're going to have every way to reach Christy in the show notes, but tell them again, just so we can end on that with your uh, website to go to and your email. Yes. So I feel, um, kind of funny because I, I get mostly referrals. So I haven't had to do like a beautiful, amazing website. Like yeah, you're busy, <laughs> busy, birthing but I've babies. Booked, so, I mean, it just works out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's at blue bonnet birth services, um, on Facebook. 
And, and then my email, which is very accessible. So just go ahead and email me. It's Christy Dixon pride at gmail.com. K R I S T I D I X O N P R I D E. And if that name, there's only one familiar, of me. So there's no yes. number. <laughs> and we'll have in the show notes too, that your brother was on here too. He's been on here twice talking about sex in the time of COVID and sex in general. This family has got it going on. I'm doing the hand motion. <laughs> the He's yes. amazing. Corbin Dixon pride. Yeah, Corbin, Corbin Knight Dixon and Christy Dixon pride. See right. the Dixon that's in there. All right, you guys. So, uh, love you, sweetie. Thank you for being love you. Love you. Thank love you, you so much. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to this important conversation. We'll have all the links in the show notes, including information about Blue Bonnet Birth Services and the Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep Still Birth Photography, as well as other links. If you like this episode, please do all the things. Subscribe, like, give it a heart, thumbs up, whatever. A follow and leave a review, especially if it's a good one. If you really like the podcast and you want to show it, head on over to shitwedonttalkaboutpodcast.com, click on the patrons button and become a full-time supporter of the podcast. And if you want your very own podcast, but you don't know where to start, go to helix-interactive.com and get yourself some and tell them that Mia sent you. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Bye.